because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com in the Silver Lake Studios, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com, and brought to you, of course, by Amazon. You log on to SeanTGreen, hit that Amazon link, you can bookmark that. You don't need to go through SeanTGreen every time. I mean, we'd appreciate if you did, and you can check out the latest podcast, the latest happenings, whatever's going on. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man to the program, Mr. Logan Lystico. Logan, what's shaking? Bonjour, Sean. Bonjour, indeed, Logan. Feeling a little French? Yeah. All right. I'm feeling magnifique today. <laughs> now, uh, all right, Logan. How, what's been happening with you, man? How was uh, how's Valentine's Day? Any uh, any crazy Valentine's uh, story? Uh, I might be sparking up an old flame. <laughs> getting back together with uh, somebody. Okay. It means a lot to me. <laughs> Shout out to you, Daniel. She, she'll be listening to today's episode. So now that you guys are getting back together, was she uh, listening to the podcast again? Was there a period when you guys were broken up and she wasn't listening to the podcast? She actually, she was like, oh, I got to listen to the podcast again. Oh, I man. Like, I was disappointed. Yeah, because yeah, I thought, well, once you date Logan, then you're on board for the podcast. That's but why, then, yeah. I guess that's I guess that's hard, <laughs> though. If you guys break up, then, uh, you know, that's really going to hurt our numbers, Logan. So I, just stay with her this time, okay. all right? Okay. <laughs> can't, can't have the numbers uh, dipping down. If your uh, you know, ex-girlfriends aren't checking out the podcast. All right, Logan, I'd like to welcome on our guest for this evening, uh, Mr. Danny LaBelle. Hello. Danny, what's happening, man? How you doing? Thank you for having me here. Oh, thanks for coming out, man. So now you're, uh, you're based out of New York, right? I'm based out of New York. Okay. What part of, what part of New York City are you from? Uh, I live in uh, Williamsburg, or Bushwick, actually. Okay. Uh, now known as East Williamsburg to sell... Apartments, they changed them. Oh, okay. Did a little, uh, yeah, they do that here in Los Angeles a lot. Like, they renamed North Hollywood, they call it like Valley Village or Van Nuys, is so, you know, North Hollywood East or something like that. They, they, they throw a different <laughs> spin on it once they realize, like, okay, this has been labeled a place that, uh, you know, people cringe when they hear I like it. Like, how Van yeah. Nuys doesn't even get a nice name, it's just North yeah. Hollywood East. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Van Nuys sounds nice because nice. Yeah, exactly. Van Nuys, it's, it's close, but uh, yeah, it's, it's one the of those things. capital of. America. Very nice. Very nice. Basically what happens is people who just moved out to L.A. and are like, oh, my God, I can get an apartment for $600? Yeah, of course I'm going to be in Van Nuys. It's just funny. Like, You can tell how long someone's been in, in Los Angeles depending on how deep into the valley they're living. Because like, the deeper you go into the uh, San Fernando Valley, the earlier they've just moved out. And you're like, oh, okay, wow, uh, see me valley. Let me guess, you just got here. Yeah, yeah, why? Why? What makes you say that? Because you're living really far out and you think, oh, yeah, it's only 15 miles till downtown. That's, that's going to be – my life's going to be a breeze. So you got to let the energy suck you in. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the energy of the – Downtown Metropolis and uh, Hollywood walking around. Now, have you been out to L.A. before? Is this your first time? No, I've been here a few times. Um, the last time I was here, I think, was uh, about three years ago. Okay. 
and um, the time before that, <laughs> and there's not a great story. Oh no, no, no! I, just, I was so. What's your take? Like now, did you grow up in? Uh, did you grow up in New York your entire life? I am. I am born and raised a uh, New Yorker, uh, originally from Flushing, Queens. Okay. And then uh, we moved to Long Beach, Long Island. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I used to. Um, I'm originally from the East Coast myself, from uh, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, right off 78 there, maybe uh, you know 100 miles or so out of the side of the city, cool. or maybe like 130 something like that. But uh, yeah, we used to do summers on Long Beach Island. Oh, I'll yeah? never forget one of the. Uh, now, did you ever do any crabbing when you were out there, Long Beach Island? It's hard to say if what I did was crabbing, but. Um... <laughs> It's usually what it's usually that? not hard to. I mean, uh, it's, when I was younger, my my friend uh, I, had, I had a Lubavitch friend we called Big Lab Dog, and me and Big Lab Dog we went to the uh, under the boardwalk there and okay. stole these baby pigeons when their mom was away. We stole oh, okay. them <laughs> and we took them back to my house. You know, it was pretty evil what we did now that I think about it, but <laughs> hey, you're, at the time we were like... You're a young kid. You don't know any better. No, yeah? I probably knew, but I was probably an, like an asshole of a yeah, kid. Yeah, okay. But but I didn't mean it in a mean way. I just, we just, it was a selfish act. We wanted to own pigeons right. because yes. of the mystique. Mm-hmm. You know, the <laughs> idea you're like, you're of, like a young Mike Tyson at the Long Beach Island there. Yeah. Hanging out, you were... It, you're mesmerized by the pigeons. So what'd you do when you brought the so, pigeons so, back? Yeah, so we grabbed these little pigeons from under the boardwalk, and we have this idea: we're going to raise them. They're going to be. Uh, they fly, and they'll come back to us. Like uh, so, seemingly good intention. You yeah. Can send messages. Yeah. To and we named them Harry and James, and uh, we wanted to feed them. And they, we tried to feed them worms, but we couldn't find that many worms. Like our nails are getting, you know, the, this. The soil was hard and cold, and it was getting under our nails, and we had, like, bloody fingernails, and we're like, this is terrible. You're, de- we can't. you're determined parents. you got to feed these <laughs> yeah. baby pigeons. you got to imagine, like, so me not- and, and and Big Lab Dog's like a big Lubavitch kid, you know? Uh, and and uh, we're, uh, we got tired of trying to get these worms after two days. So two we decided, days just straight digging. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> See, now this now is, is a... Is there not this- a bait shop around New York? There's probably, in my life, a million better solutions than the one I pick. But this time we thought the best solution would be to go to the jetty where the Asian guys would go crabbing. And and we said, let's go and see if we can get some crabs. Okay. And crack them open. That's some soft meat. These birds are probably used to that. Yeah. Because they're from under the boardwalk. So we do that. And we go out there and we start collecting we couldn't get the big crabs, but we got very small crabs. And I had those cargo shorts with the big pockets. Yep. And I fill them up with like 50 live little crabs in each pocket. And we come home and we smash these live crabs open <laughs> and we would take out the meat and feed Harry and James. And, uh, and one time, uh, this is, this I remember vividly, I, I, came home and I forgot to take the crabs out of my pockets and I threw the whole thing into the laundry hamper which was one of those hampers that had the holes in it you know and and I just totally forgot about it and I went to sleep or maybe I took most of the crabs out and I left a good handful I went to the toilet to take a shit at like 3 a.m. 
half asleep, turn on the light. You know when your eyes are still like blurry and yep. Open your eyes, and I'm sitting on the toilet, and I open my eyes, and as they adjust, I notice that I'm slowly being surrounded by tiny little cracks. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, screaming, ah! <laughs> my dad, like, busts it. He's like, what's going on, Daniel? What the fuck are these crabs doing in here? <laughs> and, that, and that was the end of the crabbing. And maybe we did wind up going to a bait shop after that. Okay, but that, so that's, that's a pretty solid crabbing story. That's my crabbing story, yeah. Wow, that is hilarious. Because, yeah, you're, especially, you're on the toilet you just woke up you're in this vulnerable state of yeah anything just like a weird noise would rattle you but then just being like, their little clippers coming at you it was like revenge of the crabs because they knew what we'd been doing yeah they were like, they were pissed off i had a uh oh. now it, it wasn't quite as intense as that but now i'd went out with my um with my dad and uh we went crabbing and uh we go to the you basically rent a boat and then you drive out into the into the sound there and you know you just get the, basically all you get was like long pieces of uh of like string have a little like uh, kind of paper clip type hook and you just put like a fish head throw it over the boat and you would feel the crab clip on you bring it up throw it into a bucket and you know just keep crabbing Idiot crabs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dumb idiot crabs trying to eat and we're throwing off their whole ecosystem. So I remember my dad talking to the lady at the boat shop, and she wanted to get, uh, oh, sir, you're going to need a cooler. You're going to need a really, it's like, nah, I got a little bucket. We're, we're going to be fine. She's like, there's a lot of crabs out there, sir. I'd really recommend the big cooler. And my dad's like, no way, no way. Like, he's just, he's, he just feels like he's getting upsold. So he's like, standoffish that he is not going to take the big cooler. This sounds like a cheesy horror movie, <laughs> yes, like the no. beginning. But yes. well, so there's a lot of crabs out there. I think we'll be fine, me and my son. <laughs> um, are you sure? There's a big one out there. <laughs> so we get there, and we are surprised by our luck, just throwing crabs in left and right. Quickly, the little bucket has filled up. And I remember we get this, we get this last crab up, and we're trying to get it in the bucket, but there's... Literally, the bucket's full of crabs. He gets out, and it's it's like a jailbreak. The the crab just doesn't know where to go. He knows he's on a boat. He knows he's got to get off the boat, but he just panics, and he immediately runs over to the motor, and out of sheer panic, just clips right onto the fuel line where the uh you know the gas was going into the into the engine and so my dad just grabs an oar and just starts pounding (laughs) on the crab to hopefully kill it and to release its grip but it's just like it's just causing it to cut through the fuel line so so the crab eventually died but he had he was able to snip through the fuel line so you're sitting there stranded and then had to flag down a boat, come in with a giant bucket of crabs. And on the boat, there's the guy. I warned you. Did I not warn you? <laughs> yeah. They're out there. <laughs> yeah. There, that lady at the bait shop definitely had a uh, I told you so vibe going on. Yeah. Good time. So Long Beach Island. So you, you're basically a city guy. Moved around the city a lot. But essentially New York City born and raised. Right. So yeah. So I lived in Long Beach until the age of 18 years old. I went to... Do a year in Israel, like all the good Jews do. Nice. And then now, did you do? Uh, were you? Was that like part of a college program, an it exchange was, yeah. program? It was a college program uh, run by uh, a, a Jewish organization called Young Judea. So it was a work study program where we got to like volunteer and do uh, college credits at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Sounds cool. So. Did you ever think when you were over there? Did you ever think, hey, this is. I, I enjoy this culture. I could see myself staying over here and living here full time. Yeah, absolutely, I did. But um, 
I'm trying to think if, if there was a good reason why I didn't do that. And I don't think there was. I think I just, I think I just figured out, I'll come back. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were just like, Hey, what's, back. Hey, you know, it's, it's tough to beat New York city. Good town. I was there during uh, 9-11. You, know? you were there in Israel during 9-11? Yeah. Okay, oh, wow. and how, how was so, that experience? Um, I, was, uh, I was in the dormitories uh, at Hebrew University there on, um, it's called Harat Sofim in Hebrew, but I forget what it's called. This is the name of the mountain where, where the university is. And uh, beautiful day. Absolutely beautiful day, and and you become less sensitized to everything because I was there in the height of, you know, the intifada, and people were blowing up. One night I went to this. I used to go to this uh, nightclub called the Orient Express, which was in the Hyatt Hotel, the same Hyatt where they killed that guy. I don't know. They killed someone at every, oh one of the uh, one of the spies. It, it was like a famous Hyatt killing. And uh, so, uh, you know, the Hyatt Yeah, killing. typical. Hyatt it, it wasn't one of those low-key Hyatt killings you no. hear about. Just some <laughs> this was like a really good Hyatt killing. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of run-of-the-mill, just a crackhead, uh, yeah. strung out, beats up his old lady. You know what you never hear about is the Ramada Inn killings. Oh, no, exactly. They're, right. they're they all low-level. They got good PR. They know how to bury that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I was going to this nightclub every night. And uh, they had a good vodka special or something. I don't even like vodka, but cheap we'd, drinks. We'd, we'd, cheap get, drinks. we'd get wasted, and there was a lot of a lot of cute girls there. And and uh, so one night, I just me and my friend Josh were like, let's save money and get a big bottle of uh, whiskey or something before we go, and take it down so we don't need to buy drinks at the club. A little pre gaming, yeah. Been there. So so I drank way too much of that whiskey. Then I got to the club and I still got some drinks, right? Yep, that's usually how it goes. And I was way, I like passed out, like on a booth with a bunch of girls and like just blackout drunk. <laughs> You're yeah, like, the P. Diddy of Israel. The next thing I remember, yeah, I'm, I got these two giant Israeli bouncers like literally dragging my body out, but I had this. It's like one of those things when you're drunk, like you have some consciousness about something. Yeah. And I had this hat that I bought, uh, a pack of six pack of a of Carlsberg beer, and it came with this free hat, <laughs> this, this Carlsberg hat. And I was like, it was the coolest hat. It was like made of felt. I'm like, where is my Carlsberg hat? And they're like, you know, yeah, get out of here. You can't be here. And I'm like, give me back my Carlsberg hat. And they're like, you got to get out of here. You're not allowed in the club. You passed out. So I was like. Fuck them, man. I'm getting my Carlsberg hat. So I found an, a back entrance, drunkenly stumbled back in, grabbed my Carlsberg hat, and passed out again. And then these guys <laughs> are like, what the hell are you doing here? So th- this time I literally get thrown, like a cartoon, thrown to the curb. Wow. And they say, that like, takes a lot. Cause... Yeah. I wasn't as big then, but okay. I was still a big guy. Right. And they said, you're not allowed back. You're banned from the club, all that kind of thing. So I figured I'll take a few nights off. <laughs> that is funny. Whenever I, every story I've heard of like a buddy getting banned from the bar, yeah. he eventually tries to go back. Right. It's like there are more bars. You can find another bar. Yeah. No, but I like this. But it's a, this it, was a good one. It's a yes. It's a point of contention. You feel like it's a point of pride. You want to be eventually let back in the bar, but you you realize that yeah. okay, I need a cooling down period for a while. Let well, things blow over. Well, they blew it up the next night. Oh my so, god! <laughs> it's oh. like well, a good thing they banned me, huh? Now, was, when they say blew it up, did there was like a, a bomb went off in there? That's crazy. And so, so it was like, man, I would have been there 
if I didn't get so wasted the night before, because that was like the only hangout. Uh, in a, there wasn't much to do around the university. So what you're saying wow. here, Danny, is that alcohol may kill some people, but it also saves lives sometimes. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if that's what I'm saying. I, <laughs> no, I was just, I was just trying to... the lesson here. I'm saying sometimes my own stupidity saves me, but... Exactly. Uh, yeah, there were bombs going off everywhere, so I became pretty desensitized to it. I remember going out on... Um, they have this street called Ben Yehuda Street, uh, where all the like restaurants are, and one night there was a giant pigua, which is a terrorist attack, and uh, just like body parts, like an arm and blood on the ground and it's just like ah oh, walk by it and uh and get home and wow. uh and so 9/11 was a beautiful day and I was at the dorm and it was sunny and I went out on the uh they had a porch there and I I sat down and taken in some sun and didn't have classes that day and I'm falling asleep in the you know that good warm sun feeling yep and nice somebody, warm nap yeah somebody comes and they're like Danny what what I'm sleeping they flew a plane into the Statue of Liberty. I go, well, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like maybe three tourists there. I said, who cares about the Statue of Liberty? They're yes. like, well, it's on TV. Do you want to come in? I go, no. <laughs> so I went back to sleep. <laughs> wow. And I slept for hours peacefully, you know, because no one was around anymore. They cleared out all that air. Yes. So I wake up a few hours later and I'm looking and no one's in any of the dorm rooms and the halls are empty. It's really bizarre. And I, I look around the whole dorm, and, and I finally find everybody's in the big lounge that had a television. It was one room that had a TV. And they're all watching, like, the replays from earlier and uh, of the planes hitting the towers. And they're like, did you call your family? And I'm like, why would I call my family? I just, yeah, they weren't in the Statue of Liberty. I was putting the pieces together, you know? I didn't... Right. Uh, what are you talking about? Don't you know the plane hit the World Trade Center? And the Statue of Liberty. Like, <laughs> what's Still going hung on? Up on the Statue of Liberty part. It, it, it took forever. And then I, you know, I, I, I got somebody gave me their phone. They're like, here, try and call from my phone because my phone couldn't get through. So they're like, maybe this network would be better. All the networks were down because everyone was yeah. trying to call them. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. being in Pennsylvania and just trying to make calls, and you would just. It's one of those weird things where you get, sorry, all circuits are busy. And, yeah. What do you mean? I got a phone. I need to talk to people, make sure everything's okay, talk, try and sort things out. So, yeah, everybody was okay, and uh, thank God for my family. They told me my grandma Elaine was, like, around there somewhere to look at a museum, and she was, like, running. And I just imagined, like, a big Hollywood scene, like, the dust coming up from behind my grandma. Independence Elaine. Day. She's running. <laughs> like, but she, I don't know how much she ran, but she yeah, escaped she just, it. She yeah. just bristly jagged out of there she was yeah. okay though that's great to hear so when does when does comedy come into the picture is that did you uh before you went to israel mm. were you thinking about comedy was that comedy kernel planted or is that something after yeah it had been planted i i started doing when i was 15 right before i turned 16 i started doing open mics at the local starbucks in long beach and uh and telling stories and Telling jokes and doing wacky shit. You do you know? kind of do you remember any of your first bits? Yeah, um, the first bit I did was about. I remember it exactly because it's it's what got me into it. I I went. It was like pouring rain that night, and I went into Starbucks because it was the closest thing, and they had an open mic. Probably the first time I saw an open mic. Yeah, didn't really understand what it was, and I was like, well, so anyone could go on here? Yeah, you got to <laughs> sign up on the list, you know. I go, so I could go on there? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I want to do it. So the guy's like, uh, well, what are you going to do? 
Huh? He goes, it's a poet, it's a musician, it's open mic. Do you do, you do poetry? I go, no. You play an instrument? No. Yeah, you can't just sign on the list if you don't do anything. <laughs> so I, I go, well, I got, a, I got a funny story happened to me at the beach last week. So he goes, uh, all right, you can go last, kid. So I go, all right, cool. So I went up last and got some laughs with it, and that was it. What was the, uh, do you remember, like, what the couple beats were of the story? Yeah, it was, I'd got 115 or 116 decibel uh, bike horn in England, which was, like, the loudest bike horn on the market. I remember <laughs> it, like, they hadn't allowed it yet in America. Wow. So you I sound like a real yeah. handful as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's this funny. Is, is this, like, foghorn style, or? This is, like, you know, no, it was a it was a high pitch shrieking. You see, in Long Beach, as a kid, we all had bikes. You know, there's the boardwalk, so there was a big uh, biking bicycling scene. If you were in uh, Long Beach and you were a kid, like, oh yeah, like me, yep, fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. I remember years I old. I got into uh, I got into bikes a lot as a kid. I remember BMX bikes were the big thing when I was a kid. Yeah, and. It was right when uh, X Games were happening, and so guys were you know, into doing tricks and stuff like that. So we would yeah. go to the woods. There was a lot of wooded area in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. build little dirt tracks and make jumps and stuff. Yeah. And I remember I was, I was probably one of the worst BMXers of all time. Like To this day, I still could not bunny hop, uh-huh. and I just, I just couldn't pull it off at all. I'll never forget we did a uh, – we made a jump called a double. Basically, there's you know the ramp part and the landing part, mm-hmm. and in the middle is like a big pit that you you carve the pit up to make the to use the dirt for the the landing and the jump part. And I still remember it was raining, so it was kind of muddy. And I just remember riding up to the ramp, and my my wheels start getting caked with mud to the point that I am not getting any speed. <laughs> So much so, I lack so much speed that I barely <laughs> rode my tire over the front part of the ramp and then just immediately fell face first into the pit. <laughs> Crossbars and my handlebars right in the chest, knocked the wind out of me. Oh, and uh, that was the beginning of the end of my BMX career. Yeah. So you, you, did the, you did the open mic at Long Beach. You felt something there. Yeah, I had that. I, I told this story. I had this 116 decibel bike horn that I got from England and I locked my bike on the boardwalk and. Basically, I went down to the beach, and somebody OD'd. Someone had been doing drugs and OD'd on the beach. And the volunteer ambulance guys came, and they were trying to clear the area, but there's so much noise with people's uh, stereos and just people playing and talking on the beach. They were having a difficult time clearing the area to put this person on a stretcher. Now, that, is a, saw, that is a weird wow. – imagine being that depressed that you're having a great day at the beach. It's nice weather. Yeah. People are partying, barbecuing. Oh, I'm going to kill myself right yeah. now. That guy <laughs> is seriously bummed out. Or, or maybe gonna, it's a writer. Yes, exactly. He was a morose, <laughs> morose dude. Uh, couldn't, couldn't quite nail out the great American novel, so just decided to shoot up some H on the beach and call it a life. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so what so, – you ended up – So I, I used the horn. I, I, it occurs to me, I have the horn in my pocket because I didn't want to leave it with the bike. I thought it would get stolen. I start using the horn to clear the area. <laughs> and uh, and it worked. That, that and is he, hilarious. And they said to me, grab one end of the stretcher. So I grab one end. I'm 15 years old. I grab one end of the Yeah, you can handle stretcher. death. What are we, who are yeah. these volunteer paramedics like, hey, you, a uh, 15-year-old kid, help with, this, <laughs> yeah. help with this corpse. All right, if you say so. <laughs> you must be in charge, 15-year-old kid. You got the horn. <laughs> right. That was we, probably. We grab this person. We bring him into the ambulance. We're in the ambulance. 
We start driving down the boardwalk with the body. They're putting all sorts of. So things wait, into they them. they put you in the back of the I'm, ambulance. I'm in the ambulance. You in there? And they, th- it wasn't until we we're about three blocks off the boardwalk <laughs> that somebody turned to me and said, "Are you a volunteer? <laughs> are you are you, are you an EMT?" And, and I go, "No." They go, "How did you how did you come to be in in the ambulance here?" I go, "I have a very loud bike horn." And, uh, <laughs> And they just kicked me out in the middle of the street. Yes, you shouldn't have been been there in the first place. That was my first. These EMTs are supposed to be trained professionals. Like, (laughs) okay, this guy, I can, I can, I'm feeling his heartbeat. Blah blah blah. They can't figure out the 15 year old with a bike, a giant loud bike horn, isn't a trained professional as well. Here's the thing, too, is they could have just dropped you off at the hospital, so at least you're at a building. They just pulled over, like, oh fuck, we, they don't want to be seen. This guy's not supposed to be here. Yeah, they don't want to be seen pulling up with an. See, now this is this is pre lawsuit area. I yeah. feel like this is pre-lawsuit. I don't know uh-huh. what year it was, but this would never go down in these days and times. But the uh, volunteer ambulance, some guy wandering around, they'd have it all cornered off. Uh, you know, they'd yeah. have their own bike horn. They would be afraid about leaving you there unsupervised. Right. A lot of lawsuits pending. So so that was the story. I told it. I had probably more beats to it then. Yeah, it was sure. Relevant, but, uh, it's not fresh got, in your mind. I, I just remember it killing. Now, I don't remember... You know, it's all in perspective because yes. sometimes when you start out, you think you're killing, and then you look at the tape, and and you want to vomit. You know, it is like, weird. How did I ever do that shit? Right. You know? It is weird. Your perspective of killing just constantly changes to the point that, okay, oh my god, I was killing my first year in comedy, and like you said, really, you weren't killing, but you were killing for what you normally get. Right. And then the, even now, like from doing from doing comedy a while, I'm I'm sure you have the same thing where. On the opposite end of like, oh man, that I totally bombed. I totally ate it, and really, it's like a pretty good set. But mm-hmm. in comparison to normal, it's not as good, so it feels way worse. Like your your spectrum just changes. That's definitely true. Yeah. Now, when did you start getting? So you did your first open mic at fifteen, and uh, it sounded like you did some college. Did you did you go to college with a plan to get a real job, or was no. comedy the plan early on? So that that was it. So I, I went to I did these open mics for for two years before I went to Israel. Then when I went to Israel, my plan was to continue doing comedy out there, but there was like nowhere to do comedy. So I started, no comedy in Israel. There was nothing. I, that's I, a, that I did seems an open like mic. The, the haven Jewish, or is yeah. it like a Jewish American thing? I did. I don't know. I was, I just did one. I guess it is a Jewish American thing. I did one open mic. They never heard of Woody Allen over there in Israel. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I used to do on my papers. In a Jewish philosophy class, I used to make up fake Woody Allen quotes and <laughs> and, and just put them in to, to look smart. See, now that's yes. that's a great story, and that's why I'm against the internet. You can't get away with messing around. The same thing with uh, getting an argument with your buddies at a right. bar. It's settled. I miss the days where you were arguing for days on end, trying to prove your point. <laughs> hey, we could go down to the library and settle this. No, I know I'm yeah. right. And I, you used to be able to win arguments strictly off of confidence. Now people yeah. <laughs> have this fact-checking device tied to them the entire time. Right. They're going to call out bullshit. Yeah. yeah, It would be easy for your teacher to throw that. This doesn't sound like Woody Allen. Woody Allen. They must have thought I was the biggest Woody Allen fan because I'd just make him up to suit whatever I was writing about. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen once said. Woody Allen once said. It was said, Woody Allen who once said. <laughs> the Revolutionary War didn't need to happen. I, I, I didn't realize he was such a history buff. Yeah, no, it... Lines up with my thesis statement, as you can see. I, I played the teacher because I knew she was just like this typical, like intellectual Jew, uh, you know, that that buys into all that crap. They just love a Woody Allen quote, you know. Yes, it's just right. that kind of person that they just like. 
Give me, give me Woody Allen and. Uh, I can't even think of anything else now. Go <laughs> team Jewish, though. Yeah. yeah. Whenever it's it's that super liberal Jewish intellectual. Give me a New Yorker and a Woody Allen and a right. whatever. <laughs> uh, but um, so yeah, I went on to to do college at at Baruch, and uh, I didn't want to do it at all. Uh, and I and I just figured I'm going to do this to please my parents. Right. I'm gonna. I'll get through the college. So that my whole life, I don't want to hear them saying, you should have gone oh, to college. Danny, yeah. you should have got a degree. Right. So I, I figured that that would probably mute that. If I did that, they couldn't say that to me forever. Exactly. It's like, so, hey, look. Fair game. I have a college degree, and I'm yeah. still not working right now. Now who's happy? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm trying to fall back on the college degree. Where yeah. has that gotten me, Mom? Nowhere. Right. And what did you actually get your degree in? In communications. Communications. Same here. Right. Yeah. Which, it's not a help in the job market. <laughs> We're talking, aren't we? Yes, exactly. It was, it's, that communications degree set me up to build this uh, podcasting fortune that I parlayed. <laughs> okay, so now you, you finish up school, and uh, this whole time you've been playing around doing stand-up in the, in the city? Yeah. I, I was, um, I started doing stand-up almost immediately when I got back from Israel. I started making these short films in Israel. When I was there, just with the kids in my class, stupid shit, you know. Yeah. But but uh, but it felt like it was fulfilling my need to make comedy. Okay, you know? now, um, you know, you're a very uh, natural guy on the podcast radio. I know you you started a program uh, or a, a radio program called Comical Radio. When when that come into play? So that was uh, I started a college radio show called the Daniel LaBelle Show, which eventually became Comical Radio, which was uh, I did the did it out of my college radio station far after I'd graduated college. Uh, nice. You were the cool dude. I kept, I kept it going, and, and through so many different station managers, all these kids would come <laughs> in with a power trip, and they'd be like, what the hell? This guy shouldn't You have there. to listen to me. I'm a junior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm 27 years old. <laughs> and, and also the faculty. I mean, I fought tooth and nail. Most of the effort and energy was just fighting to keep the show, because it became me and three comedians... Or two comedians and a friend of mine uh, from growing up coming in to do a show like twice or three times a week in a college and none of us are students. Then we're bringing in all these guests. (laughs) Yes. So we're bringing in – I'm getting like high-profile guests. Yeah, no, you've uh, you've got a lot of uh, big names on there. George Carlin was stuck at security downstairs. (laughs) Fighting with the Jamaican security guard because he's like, oh. he's not supposed to be here. He's not a student. He's <laughs> oh, my George God. George Garland? Yeah. So I had all these people. No, he's not a student. He's a comedian. <laughs> and I think, I think I was a student then, too. But even when I was a student, they wouldn't let me bring in these guests that weren't students. So, I yeah. mean, I was the you first really, one bringing yeah, just in like guests. The idea you know? of... The whole point of going to college is so you can learn how to do right. a profession. And part of being in radio is interviewing people who don't go to your college. So you're, right. you're making a strong <laughs> case of, yes, I should be allowed to. Yeah, but, it is funny. People um, – I mean that's the great thing about the internet is that you literally are your own boss. So yeah, the great part about the internet is that you are your own boss and you don't you don't have to argue with station managers, anything like that. You're kind of in charge of everything. Right. Obviously, you lose the infrastructure of having a really nice studio or what kind of whatever kind of facility support they can bring. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, wh- who? Now you said you uh, had George Carlin on the show. He, I imagine he eventually got on, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it but it was one of those things. When I look at it in perspective now, I was going to college. 
in Midtown, and well, not really Midtown, but right in the heart of Manhattan, right after 9-11. And security was insane. Yes. Everyone was paranoid that they were going to blow up everything. Wow. Right. And, uh, and it didn't... It's looking back that I really understand that now, but I used to be like, what the hell is wrong with these security guards? Like, why is it such a hard thing to get in and out of my own college building? Well, they see Aziz Ansari. You know, mm-hmm. Next thing they know, oh, hey, what's what's your name, sir? Aziz Ansari? Yeah. I don't know about this. You're not on the list, we buddy. We had him on, yeah. Yeah, no, I was we, just saying, like, a guy like Aziz, who I, you did have on. Yeah, I started in, with him. In the height of uh, post-9-11, you could, maybe uh, people get a little... Uh, a little uh, hyperactive about it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I get it. It's the name. Um, so you, you did a no, no. It's all right. <laughs> I thought we were just talking about high-profile comedians. Oh yeah, no, no. I was just saying a guy like Aziz, you know, kind of a uh, okay, yeah, that's foreign, yeah. foreign-sounding name. You know, might might trigger a couple uh, bells for the Jamaican security guard. My middle name is Arabic, and uh, I'm a Jew with an Arabic middle name. What is it? Amir, which means my prince in Arabic. And my parents just like the name. <laughs> it's like, yeah, throw an Arab name in there. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I've, I've gotten some uh, harassment about that in airport security. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I remember one one time uh, this this real jerky uh, TSA guy goes to me, Amir. What kind of name is Amir? I think, uh, it's like a pretty short name. It's got a nice ring to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I felt like I could fuck around with him now because exactly. he was being racist. Like, what yes. was he gonna? Right. If if we had to go back and forth, but I probably couldn't. They, it probably was a bad idea. <laughs> but I think TSA guys case, not usually good guys to joke around with. In that case, it worked in my favor. He's just like, all right, all right, go ahead. So now, are you, you're doing stand up? You're doing the comical radio. When uh, now? I know you just uh, you got a CD. You're looking to promote. You're coming out here to Los mm-hmm. Angeles, getting the word out. You want to give us a little uh, little idea? Where'd you record the CD? I recorded the CD in Glasgow, in Scotland. Oh, and, okay. Um, I don't do comical radio anymore. We had it for a while, but uh, it's over now. But uh, the CD, right now I'm just uh, doing stand-up and, and touring around. And the CD I recorded at the uh, Glasgow Comedy Festival last March. Oh, wow. And it's uh, it's taken a while, but it's coming out. And it's called uh, Danny LaBelle, Some Kind of Comedian. Some Kind of Comedian. Yeah. Now, I always like to ask uh, comics, where, what was the impetus there for naming it Some Kind of Comedian? I, I had all these names for it, and they were all terrible. And then they got increasingly worse the more I'd, I'd come up with them. And and uh, and then I had this one idea for a name. And then uh, Jeff Dunham released a special with a similar name of... Surprisingly, Jeff Dunham was, does something much different than I <laughs> no, do. What was, yeah. what was the name you were originally thinking? And I only wanted this name because I thought it sounded cool. Sure. Controlled Anarchy. Trolled Anarchy? Controlled. Controlled Anarchy. Because it makes no sense and it sounds yes. cool. Well, if uh-huh. it's controlled, then it's not anarchy. Exactly. So I thought that's kind of funny, but it had nothing to do with the, the CD or anything. And then he, he released something called Controlled Chaos or something. Oh, okay. Like so you don't, you don't want to step on that guy's so toes. You don't want to get yeah, <laughs> the crossfire. You don't want the crossfire. Oh, you don't, and you, those, uh, oh, yeah. the terrorist puppet, he gets on your, he gets on your wrong side. It's Look out. It's dangerous. Look out, Amir. You could be in trouble, brother. So, so yeah. So, so some kind of comedian. It was the only one that I came up with, and I pitched it to to my girlfriend and to some friends of mine, and they all said, "Yeah, that's good," because uh, you know people always say, "What are you, some kind of comedian?" Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great. Some kind oh, of what comedian. are you, some kind of comedian? Oh, who do you think you're a comedian? <laughs> and then, and then it also sounds like some kind of wonderful. 
You know, people that some kind of wonderful song, some kind of comedian. So, so, so there some he people is. liked it for different reasons. But for me, it was what are you? Some kind of com- yeah, some kind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you let you leave the door open. Now, what's the? I noticed you played a lot of dates in Scotland. You mm-hmm. recorded the CD in Scotland. Mm-hmm. What's the Scotland connection? My mom. My mom is Scottish. Oh, okay. So your mom's Scottish, and she was. I guess she was born there and then came over to America. Right. She yeah. She's from Glasgow, and so I've been going out there my whole life. My grandma still lives there. You know, my grandpa did live there, and um, lots of cousins and sorry, just a lot of a lot of family out there. Nice. And, and uh, what do you? What's like the biggest difference? I'm sure you hear this a lot, but what's what's a what's a jarring difference between a comedy audience, say in New York, and a comedy audience in Glasgow? Obviously, the references are a little different, or well, do they? It's not even that different because you, know, you guys here in Hollywood took care of that. Exactly. Uh, you spread yeah, and plus American the internet, culture. American TV. Yeah, that's that's. I think I I read the, this week that that's the the second biggest export the United States has. Yeah, is, is entertainment. Yep, our bullshit culture. Yeah. <laughs> so we get that out there, and then you don't have to worry about references. It's a nice thing. If all all these little things have worked well for me in the last few years. Like, you, you don't have to change your references because people know the movies, and then the EU formed, so I didn't have to start getting working papers to go tour around Europe because my passport was good for any European country. So I didn't have to make new references. I didn't have to get working papers. Why not go around Europe and do stand Hey, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I went over to Ireland with my family. We took a trip there. Two week trip around when my uh, dad turned fifty, and yeah, it was it was my first time over in Europe. It was awesome, and in hindsight, yeah, maybe I wish I would have done some comedy, but it was just like I was too focused on just seeing stuff and and doing the touristy stuff. But yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. I'd love. Uh, I went to Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and we went to uh, Belfast. Yeah. And I remember we stayed in supposedly the most bombed hotel in all of Europe. Europa. Yeah, Hotel Europa. 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 Yep. And I guess they said it was the most bomb because a, a during point. yeah during World War. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tourist That's how shitty Ireland is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, Look at that! It's the most bombed. Oh, no, we we got some sheep and we got a hotel. We like to bomb. That's that's the two main. Attra- oh, and of course drinking. But that's yeah. that's kind of a, assumed. I guess between uh, World War II, it got bombed a lot, yeah. and then once there was the Troubles, as they like to say over there, between the Northern troops. Ireland and regular Ireland, that regular was, Ireland. Th- yeah, the real <laughs> Ireland, if you ask me, um, oh, boy. that was uh, that was like a point of contention, that's where the um, that's where like the Northern Ireland people gathered a lot, so there was a lot of bombings there, yeah. and I'll never forget, the tour guide was say, explaining, hey, we're from Ireland, the bus was from Ireland, Things are fine now, but just when you go out, you don't want to talk about politics. He's like, that's the two things you don't want to start up, politics and religion. He's like, yeah. it's it's safe. Don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. It's fine. <laughs> just don't mention those two things. Right. So we get to the bar, start having drinks, hanging out there, and my dad just looks at me and goes, man, this place is crawling with prostitutes. I was going to say prostitutes. Protestants. He goes, Protestants. This place is crawling with Protestants. Trying to make a joke, yeah. but it's like, come on, Dad, not here. But the bus driver <laughs> thought it was hilarious. He's like, ah, he's my kind of lad. <laughs> like they, they had a good laugh of it. But he almost started a, another war. Exactly, my dad <laughs> almost reignited the my troubles. kind of lad. Twenty people died that night. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. But it was hilarious. Belfast. I just played out in Belfast and uh, two months ago. Oh, that's awesome, man. And uh, it's it's a it's a nice place, but it is. Is it? Is it 
is it tough getting a draw there, or do people just go, "Hey, this is Danny LaBelle. He's a comedian from New York. America, I think New, New York. York." Becomes your draw sometimes. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I mean, it's kind of Hi. interesting. He's that, from New York. That's yeah, he's interesting. Yeah, interesting lad. That. Do you? Uh, Where are we from? New York, yeah. <laughs> huh. now, you, do you have any hecklers ever in Ireland or uh, Glasgow? Is it? Is there? Did they heckle over there? Yeah, you know, I, I did this place called the the empire theater in belfast beautiful old theater that's like probably hasn't been updated since vaudeville times it's like gorgeous like the old wooden door with the star on it and that kind of thing uh and i, I went out there and it was packed and i started telling my first joke and, and somebody heckled something i don't even remember what it was and uh, i just shut him down so hard because I knew I had to. I, I knew that if I let an Irish person get the first <laughs> laugh in that audience, yes. If if I did not destroy that heckler like completely, yep, I lost the whole show. That's right. it. Yeah. Done. I had to show. It's like it's like uh, showing your dominance in the wild. Exactly. It's a it's a mating ritual of stand up comedy. If someone, it's the same thing with the peacock. He's gonna show his feathers. You gotta you gotta buff out your chest. It's and, not even like that anywhere else. It's just Irish. Like, there's this Irish, and it's in Scotland, too, but I don't get messed with as much there for some... They must smell the Scottishness on me, <laughs> because everybody always goes like, oh, man, Scottish audiences, they heckle the most, they're terrible. Not in my experience. I've had... Well, maybe they maybe they sense you as a... Uh... They can smell the whiskey in my blood. <laughs> I, I just... The, I did have one guy heckle me recently in, in Glasgow... And uh, again, I, I I shut him down pretty hard, and uh, I I, would, I don't really remember these heckles or what I said or what they said, but it's just more should I have to do to get out of the way, you know? Yeah, it's, start it off, show him what's yeah, up. It's just it's just the the annoying part of it. Yeah. It's like all right, I got to play the game where I'm tough on hecklers now. Yep. I don't want to be. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to hear your heckles. Let me just. Get oh yeah, the material, I mean, but... ideally you want to do your act, but right. sometimes, sometimes you got to take care of business. All right, Danny. Well, we got some, uh, we got some news here. You want to throw in your two cents on some uh, news we got going here? Sure. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you saw this story coming out of uh, beautiful Las Vegas, but uh, kind of a tragic story. But uh, eh, there's a little bit of humor in here. The name says it all, and tonight we've learned that a man eating at the Heart Attack Grill actually had a heart attack. I'm John Huck. I'm Olivia Fierro. It happened Saturday night, and the aftermath of this was caught on video. Fox 5's Matt Lucia is live outside the restaurant on Fremont Street now with the details. Yeah, well, Olivia and John, obviously a heart attack is no laughing matter. But where this <laughs> even, though, even though like the announcers can barely contain themselves yeah. from not laughing the entire time happened is a bit interesting. The gentleman was sitting down eating his meal when all of a sudden the nursing staff at the restaurant noticed he was in distress. <laughs> what nursing? nursing it is a sight many have liked. Well, that's the thing. I, I And this is, it, it's definitely worth, uh, I mean, the audio is hilarious, don't get me wrong, but it's almost worth it to check out the video because when they say nursing staff, at first I'm like, what the heck? They, they actually have on-staff medical. No, no, no. This is a themed restaurant to the point that it's like a 
hospital, <laughs> and your your waitress is a nurse, a woman dressed and, up as a nurse. And they oh roll out a God. big defibrillator with birthday candles yes, on it. Yes, exactly. Oh and they sing. It's, so, it's so great. We imagined, but Saturday night, the heart attack grill actually lived up to its name. <laughs> he was having the sweats and shaking. Nurse Bridget was there when the unidentified man in his 40s started experiencing chest pains. One of the nurses came. They don't tell you is if you have a heart attack at the heart attack grill, your next meal's on them. Exactly. So well, he gets to keep the T-shirt, and uh, supposedly, <laughs> supposedly people were responding. Uh, they, everyone there was taking pictures because first off, they thought it was a stunt. When you have a wacky heart attack themed mm-hmm. grill, yeah. when someone has an actual heart attack, it's going to cause a lot of laughter. Uh, and right. the the greatest part is the guy gives this interview um, or whatever. It's not much to the interview. He's just saying, "Oh yeah, he was looked like a guy was having a heart attack." They don't call him Waiter John. They call him Dr. John in the title <laughs> screen. The lower third says Dr. John. He's wearing oh, a medical <laughs> medical coat. He's got that like doctor thing with that weird magnifying glass <laughs> on top. He's got the stethoscope draped over his neck. Don't hang on. If you're if you're giving an actual interview about a guy's heart attack, don't you feel like it's misleading to wear your heart attack grill outfit as a doctor? Here's a part that would be perfect for Will Arnett in the part of <laughs> yeah. Job from Arrested Development. He's playing the uh, – <laughs> yeah. cast, him, cast him as the doctor waiter. Finally, the role of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I've been preparing for this. The doctor is in the house. Well, <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to think of like any sort of comparison where – Oh, okay. It's uh, medieval times, and a guy actually got the bubonic plague. Uh, what? It's yeah. just a bizarre thing that the theme you had set up, and the people at Heart Attack Grill, you know they are they're thrilled about this. Secretly, they're thrilled because yeah. everyone who and heard this story all about our business. <laughs> they finally put out that sign. Heart attacks happened here, and they put up the one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they finally had a pencil over the sign. It's been 355 days since our last heart attack. Right. right. Now they're back to one. The, the when you walk in, they have giant signs saying "Warning, warning! This is hazardous oh, for your no. health." And oh, uh, it, uh, I guess, it just lures people in. Uh, the real- Did anyone take pictures of him having the heart attack to put up on the booth? <laughs> So people can, like Planet Hollywood have art at that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they have like they get the different merchandise. Like this is the shirt he was wearing. This is actually the undershirt he sweat through when he was having heart palpitations Triple and almost <laughs> They get the surgeon's scalpel. This is the actual tool used. Oh man, that's awesome. Can I get my picture taken with it? Shirt, sure, son. Not until you finish your heart attack burger. The burger he was eating was called the Triple Bypass Burger. Oh no, eight thousand calories. We told you the product works. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's in all the interviews. It's just people trying to keep a straight face, not laughing about the irony of uh, this guy. <laughs> I mean, you feel bad, but well, they say <clears throat> they say actually eating something like that can't really cause a heart attack. Like, I guess it's just kind of a coincidence. Nah, it ain't a coincidence. Well, that yeah, I don't think well, so. But a lifetime of eating according that to, stuff. according to the waiter. Uh, the Dr. John Waiter that was called. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He. It's just so funny. It's like, yeah, after I'm done giving this interview about the heart attack, I got to bust uh, that guy's table. So, uh, yeah, let's make it quick. Got to split some uh, tips with these other guys. It pretty much sounds like it was a joke to everyone. Except for, except the, for guy. the guy who had the heart attack. <laughs> the heart even though 
You know, once he I, he did live, and he's expected to make a recovery. So you know, all the guys down at the hardware store just like, oh, I cannot wait to start ribbing this guy. Yeah. Like, they are over the moon excited with the does, fact that does he work in a hardware store? I don't know. It, it just seems, <laughs> no, no, he just painted this guy's life that, as yeah. in the hardware store. Doesn't it sound like a guy who works at a yeah, hardware store? Could be a guy at a hardware store. Sort of Putting down. He goes to Las Vegas. His dream thing is to go to a place where they have eight thousand calories. Try to take down the triple. <laughs> Bypass burger. Seems like a guy who knows his way around nuts and bolts and hardware. A lot of those waiters complain that people in India are doing their jobs cheaper. <laughs> yeah, they're getting outserviced. Okay, here we go. Here's some more news. More just embarrassing news for guys in general. Oh, man. The, the media these days, it's hard for the older guys to figure it out, and uh, it leads to some embarrassing situations. District officials say by the time Paul Withy realized what had happened, it was too late. The Oxford Hill superintendent says the teacher and football coach apparently meant to send a naked picture of himself to his girlfriend last <laughs> Tuesday, but accidentally posted the image publicly on his Facebook page. Oh. Withy took down the picture in a matter of minutes, but the damage was done. A student saw it, and a parent reported it. I think it's horrible. It's a nightmare for the kids. The school district. Oh, now that it is not a nightmare. That it's the is the best thing that has happened for those. Listen, kids. seeing your gym teacher naked <laughs> in the locker is. room is a nightmare. Seeing yeah. your gym teacher naked on the internet, and then where he you quickly can... takes it down, and you're the only guy that saw it. Oh, you're the new popular man. kid. This kid is a hero. <laughs> Who cares about the the sophomore girl you hooked up with and got to see her breasts and you took a picture? <laughs> yeah. The j- naked gym teacher picture. That this guy is going into the the school book hall of the yeah. The, your book Hall of Kid's Fame. Kid's an idiot for reporting it, though, because that's great blackmail, isn't <laughs> no, it? No. Yeah. Do a lap. No. Want to know why? <laughs> yes, flip exactly. your phone open. Yeah, just like... <laughs> now you do a lap. <laughs> yeah, just like throwing out weird facts. Today, the student becomes the teacher. Coach, uh, you might want to get that mole checked out. What are you talking about? Oh, I think you know what mole I'm talking <laughs> about, Coach. This will see. Don't you even try and take it away. I have another one at my computer at home. An undisclosed location <laughs> in the house. I have it on a flash drive. Don't come near me, old man, or I will ruin your world. And I just feel bad for these. And It was dumb, but these, these guys, like this one I feel like was an honest mistake. Like this guy's just... He's a football coach. He probably just yeah. figured out Facebook three months ago. He's a dumb guy. He's just trying to get laid. He's just trying to send a picture of his girlfriend. Why does he have to? Go, why does he have to lose his job? But sending an Dodge email balls. attachment and posting something on yeah. Facebook are so different. Yeah, but for dumb guys who this guy is a jock. He's a gym teacher. All right, you gotta He's, understand. He just came back from the hardware store. Exactly. <laughs> right. He was just. He comes home from the hardware store. He just, just finished, got back from making fun of hard attack guy yeah just spent a good hour and a half ribbing the guy who had the triple bypass now he's hot and heavy <laughs> now he goes into something now he's hot and heavy feeling it for this chick here's the thing don't yes if you're a gym teacher you just got to stay off the social networking no nothing good can happen from it and stop befriending the kids on facebook <laughs> well that, that's a mistake yeah i guess this wasn't a kid it was well, yes, you're right. The kid saw it on his Facebook profile. Right. <laughs> yes, really. You're okay. So this guy is obviously a heterosexual. 
He's obviously not into kids because he's got a normal girlfriend. What's the benefit of friending a kid on right. Facebook? Like, oh, man, can't wait to see what Timmy's up to this weekend. Yeah. Oh, he did all his math. For- You're a grown man. Right. You're a ju- what are you, what are you writing on their wall? <laughs> hey, I'm going to make you do push-ups tomorrow, LOL. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a shit? The whole reason you become a gym teacher is because you hate kids and yeah, you want to yell at separate, them. separate, you know? Don't get too involved in their life. Right. You – the, the – you are there to yell at them, tell them to hit the shower, run laps, play basketball, and then you go home, <laughs> hook up with your girlfriend. Why do you need to be friends with them on Facebook? It's Makes no weird. sense to me. But yeah, he would have he would have got away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids, I guess. <laughs> All right. So did you uh, you watch the Grammys? I did, Danny. Yeah, I you uh, what was your take on the Grammys? I didn't really get to watch a lot, but I never have a take on any of these things. That's why I'd be terrible on one of these like. Yeah, you're not really you're not really gonna kill it on the View and their hot topics. <laughs> yeah, I, these kind of shows I never know. Like I've seen uh, friends of mine on uh, Chelsea lately, right? So I've tuned in to see them, and and she always asks these questions, right? Like, uh, well, what do you think of that? Look at that person did that wore that dress or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I don't think anything about it. <laughs> you what don't am have I supposed to. I don't have an opinion on that dress. I don't know. I don't know what to say. You can't, you can't manufacture an opinion. I, I had to. I had to. I got a gig once to write. Uh, it, it would. It would have been a good gig to make a few bucks. They said here. They send you celebrity photos of these women in the uh, dresses or whatever, and uh, you got to make fun of them for a magazine. It was one of these fashion magazines. They wanted comedian writers. You know? Yes, Fa- fashion magazine. We know who to call. Danny Labelle, comedian. Yeah, I don't, He's so, some kind of comedian. Just call him. They send me these pictures, beautiful women in dresses, and <laughs> and, and they say make fun of. Them. I didn't know what to say, so I send <laughs> back. I get they send you a picture of Jennifer Lopez in a dress, and I said something like, uh, "Looks pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look. You, you got a man? No, no. You got to make fun of them. Yeah, but she's pretty hot. I don't know how to make fun of hot chicks. I'm just like, hey, I assume you're dumb because you're wearing that dress and you look really good. I don't. Uh, they're doing better than me. Yeah, they, exactly. These people are in good shape. Wait, and they got designer clothes. They look fine. They look happy. What am I supposed to say about that? That whole thing just sounds shitty. That that's a position like <laughs> just make fun. We're gonna send you yeah pictures of. I don't know what to say. Yeah. She looks gorgeous. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, the View cool. and hot topics, Sherry Shepard, one of the uh, women on the View, was. Uh, well, basically, given her two cents on Chris Brown, he returned to the Grammys. He got like a really warm reception from the audience and uh, from a lot of people online. So this is kind of uh, her take on it, which is confusing. He was very warmly embraced by the Grammys, but uh, what concerned me was a, a few of the tweets that some girls put out. I think we got them. I don't have a, Let me see. Oh, God. Some people uh, put out tweets that uh, Chris Brown can beat me all he wants to. I'd do anything to have him. Oh, my. That was um, typical. That was, a lot. was another dude. Chris Brown can punch me in the face as much as he wants to, just as long as he kisses it. Then somebody else. First off, as a society, have we lost the ability to tell when someone's joking? Yeah. Like, granted, granted, these aren't that yeah. funny jokes, but these are girls making a joke saying, yeah. oh, I would totally sleep with him. He punched me in my face. Right. No, they're being facetious. Right. Yes, they're making just kind of this 
very lazy joke, but some it's, of them just want it. <laughs> yeah, right. well, there are occasions. <laughs> I feel like the chick that really wants it isn't on Twitter. She's at a strip club right now, getting manhandled by an yeah. abusive guy. She's ashamedly thinking that to herself. She's not <laughs> announcing it to everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- if you're putting it out there on a thing to uh, for other people to like <laughs> or give gold stars, it's being facetious. It's, it's yeah. because he's a man too. You have to look at it like that. If Rihanna beat the crap out of Chris Brown, and then uh, Rihanna was uh, looking hot at uh, performing on something, and guys were like, well, she could beat the crap out of me. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Everyone would be like, ah, Everyone would well. obviously say that's a joke because they know, and well, actually, some guys are really into that kind of rough stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they would, they would clearly would sense but, that. But nobody true. would be worried about it. They wouldn't be bringing it up. They'd be like, oh, well, I guess yeah, uh, I love the people she in the found audience. a new audience. Or just aghast. I, I do yeah. feel like Sherry Shepard is her character on 30 Rock, though. Like, she doesn't get things. She just kind of, like, is always going. Well, Sherry Shepard also was the one who argued about whether or not the Earth was round. She was like, I don't know if I the don't Earth... I yeah. I don't know for sure. All I know is how to take care of my two boys. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I you can know more than one thing. <laughs> you can know how to take care of your boys and that the Earth is round. One thing. That's it. And listen, I don't know that, but I know scientists. Right. And scientists have had this figured out. I'm, I'm taking people's words for it. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to believe people that there is a moon. It's uh, thousands of miles away. I don't know that for sure. It could just be a piece of cardboard in the sky. I'm making that leap of faith right. that scientists and NASA are correct, that there is a moon right. and that the Earth is round. All right, here's well, some more. You don't have kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Once I get kids, I lose that knowledge. Here's some more, uh, her, I don't know. They did tweet, it makes me sick that if you can sing like Chris Brown, you can beat women half to death and other women will still love you. Yeah. So that was a rebuttal. That, that concerned me about these women, um, you know, putting out these kind of tweets. Because I've defended Chris Brown and said that I thought he deserved another chance. I still do think he deserves uh, another chance. Why? We shouldn't just, you know, throw him out because of one mistake. So yeah, one mistake. Yeah. First, yeah. <clears throat> your, your, mistake? Yeah. <laughs> Mistake is forgetting yeah. to take the trash out, not beating the crap out of a woman point blank range. <laughs> that de- that urge to just fly off the handle and beat people up and really abuse them, that's not uh, a mistake. It's a character flaw, a personal trait yeah. that's very awful. Now, supposedly, uh, a gossip com- column is reporting that Chris Brown is using that as his new pickup line. He'll go up to a girl and be like, hey, can I get your phone number? Promise I won't beat you. <laughs> And guys, right. you know he's got to kind of though. I, I I understand what you're saying, but that is the first thing on any girl's mind when he's asking the number. Yeah. Unless, well, maybe it's the second thing. First thing is maybe I can get some of that money. Uh, probably. I'm not saying all women are thinking that, but probably the ones that he's associating with. Yeah. They might be thinking lines. about getting the money. And yes, it, the, the idea that it's just a mistake and he has to be he deserves another chance, he should be forgiven. Why should I forgive Chris Brown? I mean, I The gold digging hoes that Chris <laughs> Brown is mingling with are thinking, "Hmm, maybe I could get some of that Chris Brown money." Hmm, but he might beat me. Yeah. So well, then I might get a lawsuit. So he goes, hey, I won't beat you. She goes, oh, well, that's a guarantee. Yeah, with, as a society, we should feel uh, okay to scorn people that uh, abuse women like this. O.J. Yeah. Simpson, <laughs> when he beat up Nicole Brown the first couple of times, people are like, hey, let's forgive him. He's O.J. He had a little extra energy. He had to get it out somewhere. He's an athlete. They have more testosterone. She was getting lippy. She's probably... <laughs> She looks like a handful. He okay, didn't have a bow flex. It's <laughs> just part of the. He had no other release. 
I just love the idea that, okay, it was just a mistake, so we have to – why do we have to forgive everyone? I don't – okay, fine. I've, I've moved past it, but I don't have to forgive you. You're Chris Brown. Why do what? Just the and the women in the audience who were uh, appalled at the woman wanting to get beat in the face, but then totally supporting him. Yeah, that's what's that was, confusing for yeah. me because I'm not even really against forgiving him. I'm not. I don't care if you hate him. I don't care. But she's Sherry Shepard's all over the map. Yes. Yeah. She's <laughs> she's worried for these women and their self confidence, but thinks we should forgive Chris Brown. Right. They are forgiving Chris Brown by saying they want to make out with him, and maybe right. he won't punch them. They're making a joke. They're moving right. on. They're being entertaining, Sherry Shepard. And I think this also goes to to show that pretty much uh, whatever they say on the View, the audience there is going to go along with. <laughs> It is. It is weird. Like it, they'll they'll just counter. Uh, they just counter each other back and forth, and then the 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 person making the argument, regardless of how crappy it is, it, it just does this pause, and the women feel sense that like okay, yeah, time to clap. Time to clap. I wonder what they could get away with saying and get that them to clap before the women would turn on the hosts, because once an audience trusts its host, there. Uh, that's the thing people don't understand. Like when you go on to a show. Even when I go on this show, right? If I went against you guys, right. how much of your audience that love you and tune in to hear you are going to go with me? Right. A lot of they them, even me. if I had a good point, are yep. going to say, "Well, that guy's kind of a dick. He went against the guys that we like that we tune into." Yes, because yeah. you feel attached to Sherry Shepard or whoever. I'm sure if you're in the view, right. you feel that connection. You feel, especially with talk radio or any kind of talk show, that's mm. the appeal. Is you feel like you got to know this person, it's so you're skewed a certain. You're way. kind of defending their friends. So yeah, you're right. They probably could get away with a lot. I, I, Barbara Walters going in something about Hitler. Like, yes, exactly. He deserves another chance. If he was around, you know, a little rehab. <laughs> Listen, he went to 52 straight weeks of genocide counseling, okay? Yeah. He deserves to be forgiven. Yay! <laughs> Whatever listen, they could say. Listen, Hitler can exterminate some other race as long as he makes out with me. Yay! <laughs> the mustache is very cute. <laughs> he was a dog owner. He loved his dogs, okay? He was a nice guy. He took care of that dog. How many of us also take care of our dogs and feel like we can relate to another dog owner? Yay! At least he was no Michael Vick, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and our now next that, guest, Michael Vick, deserves amazing. another chance. <laughs> No, but Michael Vick really does because he's a professional athlete. Exactly. All right. Good times, man. Uh, well, uh, looks like we're ready to wrap things up here. Logan, you want to uh, want to do a little recap here with the haiku? Let's do it. Crabbing sounds awesome. <laughs> Who needs Lady Liberty? Ambulance crasher. <laughs> nice. Nice little take on the ambulance chaser. Well, uh, Danny LaBelle, thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you great. for coming on the program. Make sure you check out Danny's new album coming out on Stand Up Records, Some Kind of Comedian. And Danny, where can, uh, where can people check you out online? You got a Twitter, right? Yeah, I've got a Twitter. I'm doing a show on yakit.com every week now. Okay. Uh, How do you spell that? Y-A-C-K-I-T.com. Nice. That's what I wrote down. And uh, and uh, we had Greg Fitzsimmons on today. You could go and check that out. I think Ralphie Mays on next week, and uh, a lot of a lot of good people that you like. And I'm going to be talking to them. And the thing with Yakit is that it's like um, it's kind of like a Skype technology, whereas uh, you, a webcam. 
I don't even want to say Skype technology. You get in front of a webcam, I get in front of a webcam, the guest is in front of a webcam, and then the listeners get in front of a webcam, and you can ask me or the guest questions. All right. Well, that sounds cool. That's a cool thing. And then I'm at Danny Lobel on Twitter, uh, D-A-N-N-Y-L-O-B-E-L-L, and uh, DannyLobel.com. All right. Make sure you check those out. Thank you very much, Danny Lobel, for coming on the show. And I got a couple stand-up dates. You can go to SeanTGreen.com to get all that information. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dig, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show and check out TheComedyGarage.com.